When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen, if you're always running to the bathroom and sometimes just can't make it, we need to talk. You're not alone. I was just like you until I spoke to an expert physician about axonics therapy. It changed everything. It didn't just give me bladder control, it gave me my life back. Axonics therapy is not another drug. It's just a tiny device you barely have to think about. And it can give you real lasting relief. You can even try it out first to make sure it works for you. Just take the first step. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. It's time to get your life back. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonix therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows at castaway.media or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash castaway podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 51 of Podaroonie. And the uh, Podaroonies have been and are sponsored by the wonderful Jack Cody's Craft Beer, which I've been checking out over the last few weeks. And my favourite at the moment is Lazy Eye. Oh yeah, that's a good one, and it's strong, it's nice, and it's tasty. Because when you're drinking a normal beer that you get in a pub, you know, I won't mention a brand, but really, 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 it's no taste. There really isn't a taste, and it's cold. They make it cold so you don't get a taste, you know, so you don't notice that you're not getting a taste. Um, but with the, the Jack Cody's drinks, you can really taste the barley, the hops, and the... Uh, just strong beer taste that you would get off the kind of beers that you get in in um, uh, Belgium, like real proper good beers. So yeah, Jack Cody's sponsoring Potterooney, and in this episode, I'm going to be talking to Feather. Well, her name is Emma, really, but she's a, a wonderful singer and songwriter, and uh, I found her online through Nyler Nine. It was actually a tweet that he'd put up and I listened to her music and I just really he really loved it and wanted to uh, wanted to get her on a podcast and I spent a while uh, tracking her down I went to see her live and I got her and she's in the studio and she starts off with a song with her guitarist Paddy and finishes with a, a beautiful song as well so you're gonna you're gonna love this really good and I, I'm sorry this podcast is going out late but it's because I've just been up to my flipping eyes it's mad my daughter's doing her junior cert so I gotta be in and out collecting her every now and then uh, early from the, her exams and stuff like that and then I've been up and down doing festivals down in Tralee was Tralee no I was in Calorglin, um the weekend before last I was in uh, down there uh, and then straight back up to Forbidden Fruit Festival to do a gig and the Forbidden Fruit Festival has changed because I think it's been three years since I did it it's become almost a new oxygen it's just full of young people very young people with their orange legs and their uh, denim the girls have the orange legs and their denim uh, shorts and some of them are some of them are let's face it a little bit off their face 
and um, and it's it's a, it's interesting doing comedy to such a young audience and 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 um, uh, people who are really just twitching to dance really. So that was an interesting gig. I felt old, I'll have to say, and then I ha- I couldn't even see stay for music, so I split and went down to Kilkenny um, and did a gig with Dom Herrera in uh, Thomastown, just outside Kilkenny at the Cat Laughs Festival. I did an interview with Dom as well, hung out with Dom for for that night, and then the next uh, day I interviewed him from a podcast, so I'm going to put that up next week, um, and I'll put it up with the same podcast as Alison Spittle is interviewed on it as well. And uh, then I did the improv with the cat laughs. Then I, did, I played a game of football. There's this tradition that there's a cat laughs football match uh, between the Irish comedians and the rest of the world. But, but, but mostly there aren't uh, many comedians from the rest of the world, so it's kind of Ireland against Ireland, really. And uh, and we won the match 2-1, and I hadn't played a game of football, I would say, for two years, maybe even more. And it was OK, I lasted for quite a bit. Then I pulled up in the second half with a hamstring. I went on a... I got the ball off a guy, and I was going on a nice little run, breaking through, and I just... Couldn't run anymore, so pulled in, pulled up, got off, put some ice on it. It wasn't too bad. But since then, and that's nearly two weeks ago, that's a week and a half ago anyway, I've been like a wreck. From one game of football, I've been like the hamstring and then my left hip, having like kind of sciatica, which I kind of had anyway, but the match just completely drove that into overdrive, made it something I couldn't take. It was a kind of a niggly thing. Every now and then my hip would be like... But the football match just uh, made that come to the fore and made me have to deal, you know, I'm dealing with it now, I suppose I had. But I was in bits. I was still slightly in bits and I had to to get cycle really to stretch out me, my fecked up pelvis. I'm feeling a bit better now, but I haven't been able to do any proper running. I'm going to go for a run tomorrow. It'll be my first and see what happens then. I'm blah, fecking hell. I hate getting crocked and old and stuff like that. And that, man, this weekend I'm going to Body and Soul Festival. I'm doing the improv on the Saturday and stand-up on the Sunday. And then I've got three or four days before I head off to Glastonbury. So I'm almost kind of uh, just kind of getting loads of sleep to get myself ready to do these festivals. I'm all slightly nervous. Will I last the pace? Uh, I'm sure I'll be okay. And we did some Father Ted gigs in between last weekend. So myself and uh, Patrick McDonald and Michael Redmond did a couple of gigs, one in Mullingar, one in uh, Dundrum Theatre. And they turned out to be fantastic gigs. And thanks to all the people who came along. And we, and, and and they turned out great. So there's a few more coming up in um, in October. Well, I'm going over and doing, doing one in doing two weeks in Edinburgh Festival, but there's a few more here in Ireland in October in uh, Waterford and Carlow and Virginia and uh, Ballymon. So uh, I look forward to them. And um, thanks to everybody who came out to those gigs. Yeah, if you're listening to this, thanks a lot. So if uh, if, you, if you're if uh, you tuned in and you're doing a bit of exercise or doing whatever you do, you're sitting in your car, thanks a million, thanks a million. Go on iTunes, give me a star rating. Thanks for tuning in and have a listen. We're going to start off with a song now, a uh, bit of a chat, and then finish with another song from the brilliant, beautiful, wonderful, very talented... Feather. Um, this song is called Sally Gardens and it is very famous and we did our own version of it, so here it is. Mm-hmm. 
She crossed the sandy gardens with little snow white feet. She bid me take it easy as the leaves grow on the tree, but I was young and foolish with her. And Paddy from Feather, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us, Pleasure. Joe. No, it's great Hi. to have you. I saw you at uh, Africa Day two days ago, mm. and uh, you were brilliant. Thank you. It's great, it's great festival. It was a great day, and uh, we really enjoyed the gig. I think. Yeah, it's yeah. great. That's cool. Lovely awesome. day. And. Uh, your sister was singing with you, yeah? Yeah. I actually mistook her for you. Uh, uh, I said hello to her as she oh walked yeah, by. It's been happening my whole life. Is Don't it? Worry, you're not the only one. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, who was the other girl? Uh, the other girl is Zini. She's uh, another one of my backing vocalists. Um, mm. She's awesome. She sings with Yang Carey as well. Uh, her and I are going to be singing backing vocals for Tony Allen on the 10th of June. Oh, right. So she's uh, she's awesome. She's very much sought after back and vocalist. Oh, right, vocalist cool. in general. <laughs> who's Yan Carey? Yan Carey are an Afrobeat group yeah. um, that uh, f- made up of a bunch of guys who've been living here for a long time. They're all from Nigeria. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they've been going for the last year or a bit, possibly oh, right. a little bit more. Yeah. And Zini's there. Zini's there, one of their vocalists. 
Right, cool, yeah. Mm, just to mention Tony Allen is Fela Kuti's drummer, legendary. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, uh, yeah. basically invented the Afrobeat drumming style, so yeah. it's for anybody who doesn't. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Ginger Baker played with Fela Kuti as well. Ginger Baker from Cream. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a documentary about it. Ginger Baker. He's a nutcase. I've heard a lot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he actually attacks the guy making the documentary at one point. Oh, yeah. gosh. So. Uh, <laughs> Jeepers. It's great TV, though. <laughs> <laughs> and he's an old man, so he's attacking him very slowly. Well, with a walking stick. <laughs> it's not too violent. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, um, so you, you you were born in London, Emma. I was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do we call you Emma or Feather? Emma. Emma. Emma okay, Emma. Yeah. 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 But you'd be known as Feather, probably. In I would a year's be. Time. Now, if people don't know who I am, generally, yeah. but if I'm ever talking to someone, I tend to tend to go by Emma. Right, okay, grand. <laughs> Direct conversation. Grand, grand, grand. And uh, so uh, your father's from Sierra Leone, is that correct? Yeah. And your mother's Irish. And yeah. then you moved to Ireland when you were three or something? Like yeah, that, exactly. So um, mm. I don't really advertise the fact that I was born in London, as you can imagine. <laughs> right. Um, I, yeah, Sorry, far enough as it out. is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I moved here when I was prob- maybe even a little bit younger than three, maybe two, three, um, and lived here until... I was nine and then yeah. I moved to West Africa for four years. What part of West Africa? Uh, I lived in Sierra Leone. Yeah. I lived in the Gambia first. Yeah. And then in Sierra Leone for two years each. Okay, then, yeah. Then I moved back here just in time to learn what like meeting was and what naggins were and what <laughs> all those things that they don't have in Sierra Leone or the Gambia. Yeah. <laughs> back right. when I was 14, so. Cider so drinking by the canal and things like that. That's it. That's yeah. It, yeah. And uh, what, what do your parents do then? Uh, my dad is an environmentalist. Uh, he works right. in Sierra Leone. He runs an NGO there called mm. EFA, one that he started. Um, and my mother is mm. an anthropologist. She's doing her PhD in anthropology. She's in her final year of her PhD. So oh, she's cool. dying to be done. So yeah, they're both awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So when they went to West Africa that time, they were it was to do with environmental work. Um, it, well, my dad has always lived there. Um, he's he's travels a lot, but he's always been based in Sierra Leone. So that's oh. where his main offices are, and that's where he does most of his work. All right. Um, yeah. And my mum, um, at the time when we went there, she hadn't started doing anthropology, so she was she worked for um APSO, an NGO. She it's always hard to know what my mum's actual jobs were. She just mm. worked for these kind of charity based organisations so at one point we worked. For, she worked for APSO she's worked for Trocra she's worked for development oh, okay. stuff mum I don't know all the buzzwords but oh, okay. cool jobs that's cool yeah. <laughs> yeah and now she's an even cooler one. <laughs> oh yeah and lo- actually this is funny uh, I must look this up because when I tweeted about going to see at Africa Day or something yeah. a girl called Jackie Gorman I think oh yeah tweeted Jackie. me she said that she had malaria and she stayed in your house and she was delirious or something or whatever and my mum looked after her yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she, you know her, yeah. I know Jackie from when I was really young. She was one of the first people that we met when we went to the Gambia. Right, and, yeah. Uh, we were the kind of kids that kind of just spent a lot of time with our mum. So whenever my mum went to visit any of her friends, we were always there. So And Jackie was one of those very good friends of my mum's. All right. So good. yeah, she wrote to me after to say that she knows you and she saw your she saw your Twitter uh, oh, did post. She? Yeah. So I was like, whoa, this country so small, small. <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know I know do you remember her wandering around your house uh, oh, delirious well I don't really remember that particular occasion but I remember her very vividly I remember where she lived I remember us going to visit her yeah. my mum had all these cool friends that to me, at the time I, I thought were were all kind of like hippie I was like 
I didn't think adults had this much fun normally. I didn't really think of adults as the kind of people who had parties and danced and stuff. And Jackie was definitely one of those adults for me when I was a kid. All right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, she's really cool. <laughs> ah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So, I, I mean, I heard that you, you kind of weren't like particularly into African music when you were living there or you were too young, were you, or something? Yeah, like I mean, I, I was What age were you then? That was, that was... Yeah, I was nine when I yeah. moved there. And yeah, uh, then yeah. I left when I was... 13 about to turn 14 so and music wasn't you weren't really into yeah. music as much I, I listened to a lot of western music over there like a lot of young uh, Gambian kids do yeah. and Sierra Leonean kids they listen to a lot of hip hop and rap and stuff so I did listen to that but one thing I will say is that um, in the Gambia anyway when people are having parties or get togethers for any reason they listen to music that comes from the Gambia so Gambians I mean Yusuf Ndour is from Senegal but Gambians take him as one of their own and oh, yeah. they love him so every party you go to Yusun Door is going to be blasting out of the stairs whereas if you listen to Yusun Door here in Ireland it, it's kind of out there a little bit so mm. um, Yusun Door is the guy by the way they, that he did the song with Nana Cherry exactly not a so, second yeah. Yeah. he has <laughs> loads of other amazing songs yeah I know I'm not sure saying like that but um, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that was his, his probably most famous yeah. uh, hit mm. but That'd yeah where I heard him first of course as well yeah, like yeah. most people would have heard him first but then you explored his music from before that and he's uh, yeah. he's legit uh, yeah. Senegalese singer very very much he innovated his own kind of style but it's definitely very West African there's nothing about it that sounds North American um, so so yeah I did I did must have soaked it in and people my age you know some, some girls I knew at one stage were, were getting having their confirmation and they had a party and I remember all of the young 12 year old girls were like Given it loads, dancing to you soon door, and uh, so I was too. I mean, I just you know I was someone who wanted to fit in, so I was getting involved. But I wouldn't have bought a CD of his and put it on. You know, I wouldn't have. I might not have even known what his name was, but uh, I would have been. It would you have been just in soaked the environment. It in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would have been like listening to what the Jacksons and. Uh, yeah, my my dad um, made sure that we listened to a lot of Michael Jackson. He loves yeah. Michael Jackson, so that was probably the first person that we. <clears throat> Uh, listened to a lot of but then I mean mm. like while I was in Sierra Leone it was really dependent on what CDs you had like my dad had a 07 album and uh, I found an Ella Fitzgerald album so they were the two albums that I had and I listened to regularly because I had them yeah you know I didn't have that many CDs <laughs> so. funny. it's funny that when <laughs> you're growing zero up seven, it's kind of random whatever albums are in the house you just yeah, listen to them that's, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I mean yeah. What did you grow up, Paddy? What For were me, you, what was your just, records growing up? I just think there was a Glory Estefan CD, Crosby, right. Stills and Nash. Uh, <laughs> they're the two that jump out immediately. I know, what a mixture. I mean, if you could actually mix that together, I'm sure you'd have a pretty fascinating a new, new form of music. And a winner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stream of number ones. <laughs> I know, because uh, I, I listen to some mad stuff. Like, I mean, we got a record player when I was nine and there was like three horrible records with it like John McCormick is tenor an Irish tenor oh yeah yeah oh yeah and some Irish country music was horrible shit <laughs> <laughs> but I still listened to it because yeah. it was the only record I yeah. know yeah, yeah. yeah and there was an album of Tijuana hits or something and I and it was all instrumentals and but one song had a line in it a vocal line it was a guy going uh Oh, uh, the woman followed the man like the chicken followed the ham. And I just remember that. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's probably not very right on thing to say, really. But yeah. Um, Why do chicken follow a ham? I don't yeah. even know if you should give, like, giving a chicken ham. 
because it's no. a pig. It's like my cow disease territory. <laughs> tasty like, chicken I know. After that now. Yeah. I don't know if chickens are that mad of a ham. But anyway, uh, off the point there. <laughs> so when did you when did you start getting uh, into into say writing music, for example? Um, well, I think probably the first time I ever wrote a song was once I came back to Ireland, probably. Um, because actually when I, I was thinking about it the other day, I when I was just after my junior year, so I came back and I would have been in second year, I would have been f- young, 14 or so. Mm. Um, and I was just kind of finding my feet, learning how to be a 14 year old Irish kid because I didn't know how to do that. Um, so, and then I did my junior set the next year. So I think it was probably in fourth year that I, I started writing my own songs because I remember um, showing my sister a song that I'd written uh, and it, it was a song that I was, I had managed to convince my m- music teacher to let me pl- perform at the Christmas concert, mm. which I don't, it probably wasn't a very good song, so I'm surprised that she did, but I, I guess it was cool that a 16 year old was like, I wanna play my song at the Christmas concert, nothing to do with Christmas at all. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it would have been around that age. And, and what, how did you, did you write it on a guitar? Did you play guitar? Um, no, I think I wrote it on a piano. Yeah. It was probably just Hallelujah, now that I think about it. It was probably just that song, but with different words on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I, I don't, I'm, I wouldn't be a very accomplished piano player even now. But um, it was good. It set to set mm-hmm. something in motion. What so. did your parents uh, send you to music lessons? And stuff? They did. Yeah. They did. My mum spent a serious amount of money on music classes for us. I've played so many different instruments at different stages. Uh, she's bought me if bought me really expensive instruments that are now dusty in our attic. Mm. Um, so one day I'll have to pay her back for all that but yeah she she forked out quite a lot of cash for us um, and my dad did too so uh, yeah I did I played a lot but it was it was probably more just to give me an overall understanding of music and I'm sure it helps me with writing parts for other musicians which I do now so oh, and yeah. do, you, do your parents play instruments? they don't no. uh, they probably would have been really good if they did I'd say particularly my mum has a has a bit of a flair. Mm. My dad's family are all very musical. We recently found out that my mum, my mum's family are very so she she are musical. She uh, she got in contact with some members of her family that she hadn't known before, and it turns out that her cousin, um, Stephen Stanley, is a mass really well known producer in Jamaica, and uh, he produced a Grace Jones album, no a Sean Paul album. He's gotten writing credits for a Tom Tom Club album. The song that was sampled, one of the most sampled songs in the world, sampled in Return of the Mac. You know the sample? Oh yeah, yeah. My my mom's cousin was got writing credits for that song on that album. Return of the Mac. Exactly, and Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Yeah, so. Turns out there was music kind of coming from both directions. My my uncles on my Jesus. dad's side are all very musical. They we would only find that out recently. That's like very fresh news. I we're going to Jamaica in July to visit some of our family members that we never met before. Um. Yeah. So so before that, before we knew that, it was really my dad's side that seemed to have a lot of yeah. music. My my uncles all play organ stuff for church, and um yeah, my cousins are all, a lot of them are into music. So, but yeah, it's coming from both sides. But you didn't know that growing up, though. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. yeah so. And so, what's your mother's connection with Jamaica then? Is well, it, it turns she's out she's Jamaican. Really? <laughs> I didn't know that before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, her her um, dad is Jamaican. 
Um, yeah. So, and she's never, she's, she won't meet him. He died, unfortunately, a few years ago, but we have a, a whole family who are from there and grew up there and oh. some of them are still there, so. Oh, that's cool. Was, he, was your mum adopted then? She was adopted in yeah. Ireland, yeah, and right, um, yeah. she mm. was brought up in Crumlin by two mm. people from Dublin. Mm. And uh, she really only found out in the last month or so. She uh, went looking, did she? Or? Yeah, yeah, mm. I mean, naturally, you want to find out where you're from. Mm. <laughs> so she yeah, knew yeah. she wasn't uh, just Irish. And mm. um, so, yeah, she, she found out and turns out it's Jamaica. And... It's pretty cool. Brilliant record producer in there. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> hopefully he'll uh, that's be generous enough. To yeah, 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 exactly. Record the music for me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah. There's an amazing thing. Uh, uh, Grace Jones's brother is a preacher in Los Angeles. Um, oh, really? There's a great uh, documentary about him because you know Grace Jones is so out there, she and yet is, her brother yeah, yeah. is a very religious man interesting so interesting. I can't remember the name but I know whatever um, so then h- how did you hook up with uh, Paddy then and, uh, uh, well Paddy and I have been playing music for a long time Paddy I don't remember when the first mm, probably Babadori oh yeah Babadori Babadori yeah, yeah that was the first band we were in together uh, I can't even remember when that started that happened we had a because um, a friend of my mum's was organising a different version of Africa Day than right, the one yeah, we was an early to. incarnation. It was it? a very early yeah. form of it. Right. And uh, he had been given some money from the government to put it on and he didn't have any musicians. So mm. I there was this great fee which normally you don't get and my mum said a dream gig, really, it was a dream gig. It. I mean I can't yeah. even get that fee now. <laughs> And yeah. mum was like, here, can you get a few musicians together? And I was like, already done it. <laughs> so I, Paddy had just come back from Berkeley. And I remember you saying to me, like, oh, you know, I really want to play some funky music, some groovy music. Mm. I haven't played some groovy I was in a bit of a jazz hole at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you were jazz, jazz everywhere, as far as the eye could see. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I went over there to study. So, really? Came yeah. Came back there, it was very much a bit of a fish out of water because there it was in this like bubble of jazz, jazz. and kind of heady music, you know. And not that it wasn't kind of funky there as well, but there was all sorts of stuff. And at, at that time, my head was in that kind of that zone at the jazz place like I went over to America to learn jazz from Americans that was my that was mm. my mission uh, but then I came back and uh, wh- and wh- I was kind of getting interested in like Brazilian and African music and stuff so that's mm. why this was the first outlet mm. Babadori yeah. was yeah. <laughs> cool yeah the, the yeah. idea with the gig so. was to do as many um, songs that were uh, like African music but also music that was influenced by African music so we did some um, we did some North American soul stuff that mm. we felt had a kind of like we did uh, what was the Michael Jackson song with the Manu Dubango outro yeah that always sounded the most African thing to, uh, every, every time I heard that M- MJ song yeah Yes. Direct African connection. Exactly. There. So we tried. But, so yeah, it's a bit song? of crossover. What was it? God. Beat cat. Same Didn't stop till you get enough. Is it? Oh, it doesn't matter. Whatever. Anyway, one of yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> one Everyone of the famous ones. Way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. uh, well, yeah. What did you think? What did you think of that Whiplash film? Seeing as you went to Berkeley and studied <laughs> jazz, is that is that ridiculous? Uh, Post traumatic stress <laughs> that I haven't allowed myself to watch it. You haven't watched it? <laughs> no, no. I just saw a have few clips. It, and I have. I yeah. think they. Uh, I haven't again. I haven't seen it. You two have so, but it seems like they've uh, they've take. There's some truth there. True, there. It's probably exaggerated a little bit, like the blood, the blood and the drums. I'm not sure. Okay, no, but it was the teacher reality. bit that I want to know about. It is, He's yeah, really, that really kind of old school breaking you down and, and building them, 
building a student up in their own image that definitely happens that does yeah, happen big time big time yeah and it's funny i've talked to some other berkeley alumni and instantly there is like oh no some of my american friends are like no way man can't watch that i just get shivers when i watch that <laughs> wow so someday um, someday i'll, mm, I'll I watch it i think you need to watch it yeah <laughs> you what do you think i hated it i felt mm-hmm. um, for me it wasn't i don't know what it's like to go to jazz college but i am i'm kind of sick of movies about um two white guys no offense lads it's not you making these movies but i'm sick of seeing that anyway and then if the storyline mm. is about jazz which they did seem to try to make it about jazz because there's a lot of technical terminology and language in it then mm. i think it would have been a bit more um acceptable and a bit more kind of inclusive to have people who maybe are more part of the history of jazz mm. than two white dudes who are obviously jazz musicians now and it doesn't mean you can't be but i think it's a bit disrespectful to try and make a movie about jazz and ignore an entire part of how jazz came about mm. and maybe why jazz ended up being so regimented and it might have been interesting actually for people to get a bit of that storyline and when i watched the movie i was so shocked there's and this i don't think is accurate to berkeley in the classroom one of the classrooms he's in there's one black dude he plays saxophone he doesn't say anything and i really don't think that there's a lot of classes in berkeley that are like that F- from what i could s- from what i hear berkeley is a very mixed school and there's yeah. people from all over the world who go there um i there's i, I worked with uh, some people from berkeley recently women of the world and they really are they're from everywhere there's like <laughs> two people from asia a girl who's like half haitian haitian descent but american like there's it's a very it's United College mm. of Bennington College like and mm. so to make a movie that doesn't represent that uh, is a bit annoying mm. <laughs> do you think they're trying to represent Berkeley or I mean, I, I mean it seemed like mm. the most the first school yeah. that came in it's just it's the most famous school maybe to an Irish person it's the most famous jazz college yeah, in yeah. The country. they kind of wrote the, the syllabus on it the book yeah the book of jazz, of jazz kind of college yeah, yeah. yeah so I guess and I think any jazz college in America would have a lot of different kinds of people there you know mm. it would it would it wouldn't look like that like it did in the movie mm. and a lot of people think I'm petty they're like no it's not about jazz but I don't care <laughs> if I'm saying yeah, petty no, I, 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 point. I, I mean yeah. that's the music came from black culture and exactly basically you know. and I, I don't like when mm. people make movies about you know when when the meaning is lost you know the history is gone I, I, th- I think it's a bit disrespectful so mm. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny that that wasn't flagged because usually that like, wasn't flagged it's, it's and actually the opposite I didn't even think of that yeah. <laughs> I didn't until I said it no mm. people have but every time I say it I was a bit mm. angry about it at the start so maybe mm. people were a bit like jeez relax but uh, and they were kind of going with the defense of well it's not really about jazz it's more about this dude and like it's totally about jazz it's about oh, what yeah. it's like to be a jazz musician to grow to go through jazz school and mm. you know th- there's a scene where they're he's trying to get him to play in time and he's keeps telling him he's dragging and dragging he's pushing her. and he's dragging yeah. and he's pushing and that's a really all the jazz musicians i've ever played with they're they're into that you know you're dragging you're pushing you're dragging you're put like it's it's very much a jazz movie a movie about mm. what it's like to be in the world of jazz whether it's academic or not mm. um, and so I think if you're going to do that do it properly but you think it's something to do with whiplash is that how jazz seemed to have some because it was it seems to become slightly irrelevant sorry but I mean it's not like part of culture it's kind of elitist now 
mm. and where, where where it wasn't it was it was the music yeah well again I haven't seen the movie but I feel like they're trying to make the parallel with like being in the army or being some sort of specialised yeah. class mm. of elite elitist like yeah. you're yeah. going to try and be the best you're going to do this 24 hours mm. a day mm. you're going to mm. live it and breathe it and everything yeah. it's an interesting point though I, I, mm. I agree with the kind of jazz that's portrayed in this movie maybe it is quite elitist and there's some jazz musicians who only want to play jazz the way it was the way they think it should be played and I don't really think that's the ethos of jazz anyway so well, initially it wasn't a dance music right well exactly and yeah, yeah it's so. crazy to think yeah. that isn't it yeah. even the bebop era you see like Charlie Parker some videos of him going around playing uh, dances mm. people just mm. rocking out crazy. to it like. yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but now there's this kind of thing where you sit back and you just mm, kind of totally. nod mm. to it yeah. which is fuck mm. come on yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't, but I don't. I don't actually <laughs> think that um, that what jazz, where what jazz is kind of becoming now is like that. So there's a mm. lot of um, there's a lot of talk about a guy called Robert Glasper lately because um, people are saying you know he's the one taking jazz to the the new. I mean, jazz is every type of music should change, and mm. uh, I think the kind of jazz in Whiplash is is an old kind of jazz, an old form of jazz, and people are trying to learn it in a way that it wasn't learnt then. That's mm. not how jazz was learnt in the 40s and 50s. As far as I, I don't, I don't even know if jazz colleges had been like established and were that regimented and strict at that point. Mm. So it's it's weird that people are trying to learn that kind of jazz in a, in a kind of, mili in a militaristic way. It mm. doesn't make any sense. And so someone like Robert Glasper is kind of a true jazz artist, if you ask me, because he's, changing jazz he's using what he's learned about jazz and obviously he listens to a lot of jazz but mm. he's adding his own um flair into it and he's not afraid to let it be used in different contexts yeah i find a lot of jazz musicians are a little bit precious about it and you know mm. kind of have where this does that come from fear really isn't it like maybe. It's kind of and the whole all the best jazz when you think about it is like exploratory and exciting yeah, and it's fearless new. it's fearless yeah yeah, yeah. Like Charlie Parker wasn't afraid of, you know, what whether his chords were jazzy enough. You know, that's mm -hmm. definitely not how you end up being like that. So mm. I think that movie rep doesn't represent jazz fairly, actually, and mm. it represents one tiny portion of jazz musicians who aren't the ones who are going to take jazz further. Mm. You know, um, so and it's like I didn't like it. It's a problem. With, well, say it's like a lot of art forms are just taken. They start off. Like even classical music now is elitist, opera is elitist. You know what I mean? It's not, yeah. you sit in, you get dressed up and you sit there and you watch. You know, when you read about when classical music, when, when our opera was performed in Italy, people were walking around and, yeah. or even when Shakespeare was performed, really? people yeah, were yeah. just walking around. And Shakespeare's, Shakespeare's yeah. plays were for common people. That yeah. That's who they were, he wrote them for. Yeah. And they, it was, they were roughened, uh, theatres where they were on they were it was really only later into Shakespeare's career or mm. life that it started becoming a little bit elitist and now the people who talk about Shakespeare are the the elitist literature if uh, people who are interested in literature mm. you tend to associate elitist with someone who likes Shakespeare when really Shakespeare was actually a commoner himself yeah yeah and yeah. he was uh, a very normal English guy and he wanted to write music that people who couldn't read uh, write sorry write plays that people who couldn't read and didn't know a lot of language would be able to understand mm. 
and he wanted to be able to paint pictures of different parts of the world for people who would never get there or mm. never have a chance to see those places. I mean, the fact that so many of his plays refer to Moors, like imagine someone at that time writing a play where the lead character was a black guy. Like that's 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 fairly badass, and mm. it's not the kind of I I'd, I'd say if you come from an elite part of society, it's actually harder to do things like that, because um, mm. the rules are more strict about what you're allowed and what you're not allowed to do. So, and jazz would be the same. You know, you wouldn't have had um, crazy jazz so parties Charlie in the Parker fancy. Be part. playing in some club where there's people some are pissed and yeah. drunk and yeah. I went to a club yeah. in New York when I was there recently. Um, Oh, it's a really famous one. It's the classic place you go when you. Five, was it? I don't think that's what it was called. My sister will kill me for not remembering. But anyway, it was, it was Vanguard. 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 Sorry, yeah, yeah, the Vanguard. I went to the Vanguard, and it was um, it was really it was cool. It was a cool uh, piano player playing there. And mm. um, but I did notice it, it was it was obviously used to be a dingy old jazz club where mm. probably loads of dingy people went, relaxed vibes, and now it's like thirty dollars to get in. All the people in the queue, like they, do, know. you know, it, just, it doesn't you know, feel like anyone the, who's now actually. It's, it's a museum now. That's yeah, basically what it is. People who you maybe know, made a, that place famous wouldn't be able to afford to go there. Yeah, at that yeah, price yeah, and, yeah. Um, I think New York's fucked. Actually, I, I used to go there. I used to go out with a girl from New York about twenty-five years ago, and it was great then. There was loads of uh, homeless people around and stuff, and just characters in the street. And, make America and great again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, bring back the homeless people. But no, uh, but it was a bit dangerous and stuff. And now it's just cleaned up. Well, Manhattan anyway, for yeah, sure. And yeah. it's horrible. And yeah. people who are weird and odd can't afford to live there anymore. Yeah. They're no, pushed out of they're there. They're pushed out. Mm. And yeah. uh, that's where all the drag queens used to live and stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it was... Yeah, and I mean, obviously it's, it's good that people can, you know, take the subway now and not mm. be worried about things happening to them. Uh, I think there was one mayor in the 80s that kind Giuliani. of... Giuliani. Yeah, he, he yeah. clamped down on that, mm. which is actually a positive thing to be able to make your city safe. But then when the prices go up so high yeah. that the people who make it interesting, you know, not just homeless people, but also all the musicians and artists yeah. and, you know, people who aren't really actually appreciated a lot in the world in general. And I don't know if people realise how, how much it takes to, to do art to do any job is hard, but then to do art is hard because you're not immediately getting paid for it. And it takes a while to actually support yourself and while you do it. So, um, and New York is seen as this great place where loads of artists and musicians, but actually That's it's gone. not like that, that is anymore. Gone, yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's not. really not. Maybe somewhere else now, um, maybe New Orleans or where, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, yeah, it's interesting. I was, when I was there, I was in, I was, I was on the subway and we were going to one of the outer regions, one of the places where these people have been pushed out to. Mm. So it's called Fire Rockaway. We were going to visit some of my sister's friends. And uh, I didn't know what, I didn't know anything about Fire Rockaway. I was just going to visit some people that my sister knew. Uh, but I did notice as we were on the on the train, that on the metro, that there was, at a certain point when you got out of the city, the train just got blacker and blacker and there's more and more black people on the train mm. and then there was one stop where there was about six or seven white people left in our carriage and they just left and then all black people got on it was really mad I would have loved to have been recording it just to it's just interesting to you see that the, yeah, the colour has like <laughs> shades like that the city yeah. has shades and we got to Fire Rockaway and uh, it was the, the train station was kind of run down definitely a lot more black people than any other part of New York that we'd been um, but we had a really nice day. We hung out with Sally's friends and they're all really cool and they have a little allotment garden and it was a beautiful day. 
Um, we watched Beyonce's Lemonade, also awesome. Mm. Um, but when I, we came back to Manhattan, everyone we talked to and told them that we'd gone to Fire Rockaway, everyone was like, what? You went to Fire Rockaway? Are you serious? Like, yeah. that's like, that's really dangerous. <laughs> we were like, wow, it's just another place. But it's just because they don't know what it's like there. They've never been there. So actually, it's it, it's to them it's the idea of going that far out of the city is like it's you're bound to get into some kind of trouble when really it was just a normal place just like anywhere else mm. it reminded me of some of the places i w- would have been would have like been when i gr- was born in london you know just the fact that there's a lot of black people there that's the only really difference and maybe some of the houses are a little bit older looking than anywhere else mm. but um it was just interesting these these forgotten parts of the city it's like oh well if they're pushed out that far, then they're not safe for us to go anymore. And they're not, that's not part of our city mm. anymore. And they were almost talking about Far Rockaway as if it wasn't part of New York. And it was like, ooh, that place, you mm. know? So, um, yeah. I think America is definitely very segregated compared to UK, right? I mean, um, do you think? E- well, yeah, I'd say maybe. so, to be honest. You yeah. would say so, yeah. I think, I was, yeah. The, I was reminded of it, I was watching that, uh, this documentary about the Black Panthers. Mm. Uh, it's really interesting, actually. Uh, you have to watch it. But just like only over 50, 55 years ago, the CIA were like taking people out, like mm. who were, they were, they were afraid of the Black Messiah. That's yeah, that's yeah. where the new D'Angelo album, yeah. the name of it came from, because he was meeting one of the surviving members of the surviving founders of the Black Panthers, who initially they started as a kind of as a community group and they were doing soup kitchens and making sure kids got meals in the morning and stuff. And then it turned into this other thing, kind of like, no, we know where the, the Panther should go. And then so they're remembered as, a, as this militaristic kind of mm. group. But anyway, the history is really interesting. Um but like the, their own government were actually just murdering people mm. who were getting too powerful in the community. Mm. And that's like a that's lifetime ago, prison, it's not yeah. even, yeah. They would like f- yeah. be caught for stupid things like maybe not having a driving license or something and just thrown exactly. in prison. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that, mm. um, that's still mm. there in the consciousness. It's mad, we don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily we don't have a far right party here. We just yeah. are kind of like, haven't had that experience. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know, what about mm. London? Well, London, kind of has say, a little bit like <clears throat> it is more. it definitely is I mean when we were well, I was born there and all at the time I was born there which is in the 80s all the all the council estates where we were saying were segregated anyway mm. so there was a white council estate and Asian council estate and people from African descent council estate and uh, oh, I didn't it was very didn't segregated yeah we ac- yeah. we ended up in one of the wrong in not the non-black area and yeah. got our house got petrol bombed uh, more than once. Really? But yeah, so that was a long time ago, though. I do, I would say that the the one difference between London, anyway, and New York is that the visually you can see there's a lot more mixed race people there. So there's mm. definitely people having babies with people who look different to them. It's not so much the case in uh, in New York. The thing is, though, when when you're mixed race in England, you are kind of black you're not even though it happens it doesn't mean that it brings the two communities together do you know that kind of way Mm. like um i feel like it's probably similar i see really so you don't even though you're half white as well you're Mm. not gonna you don't you rarely see these people with a bunch of you know with other white people it's Mm. usually so um there's a guy that i love called akala and he is uh he's a grime rapper 
He's also a historian and a journalist and just a general deadly person. He's really cool. He knows a lot about history. He knows a lot about African history. And I found him really enlightening. It kind of very empowering actually. But he's he grew up in in England and his dad is Jamaican. Um, but he said he always associated himself with his Jamaican side because for because of the way he looks when people saw him, they they kind of they they will see a black person before they'll see a mixed race person even you know. Mm. Um, whereas that might even be the case for black people. But in general, anyway, he is so, so he would call himself Jamaican when actually his mother is Scottish and but he doesn't spend any time there. So I'd say that that's that's one reason why it doesn't feel very mixed when you're there in London. It mm. still feels like there's a separation, but visually it doesn't necessarily look that way. Um, mm. But I, I know that London is getting a lot more um a lot more. And somewhere like Ireland is great because we didn't colonize anybody. Um, and so when there are black people here, there's the only reason that there might be tension is things that are happening right now. It's not based on things that happened okay. a long time ago, yeah, which, you know, so yeah. it's it, it's actually a lot more hopeful being here. And that's why my mum, one of the main reasons why my mum decided to take us out of England, London was uh, for that reason. She just, she saw how easy it was for someone growing up in a council estate, not just a black kid, any kid growing up in a council estate um, to end up kind of screwing up their lives a little bit <laughs> just because yeah. the opportunities aren't there and there's lots of tension and aggression around you and that aggression comes from history that people don't understand and like England English are notoriously bad for teaching their kids their own history and um, that was another thing Akal is always saying he's like you know I learned more about um King Henry's wives than I did about the countries that Britain colonized mm. and mm. it would have been useful for me to know that because my dad comes from one of those places Jamaica you know and mm. it would make so Jamaican kids in London who've grown up there don't even know why their parents are in England like they're not it, there's a lot of ignorance there whereas uh luckily if you grow up if you've grown up in Ireland and you're black that's not going to be an issue for you so at least any tension can be sorted out in the present it's and we can present. deal with that you know yeah, yeah so. well do you think in Ireland there's there's a good integration and mixture of yeah I definitely I really think so I mean obviously there's always people exceptions to that rule and I've definitely had some situations that that were uncomfortable and they were based on my race but very very rarely if maybe almost never with someone who I I actually respect and any of my friends and Mm. I find the Irish thing is it really doesn't matter what you look like you could be from Mars and it but if you manage to make yourself um, fit into the Irish culture and embrace it and respect it and uh, then you're going to be accepted and yeah. you really won't that, that the visual stuff won't matter and it's it, once you're able it's hard to do that I'd say in Ireland because we are quite kind of tight knit within ourselves it's sometimes I think even in small communities outside of Dublin like if you move just from Dublin yeah. to a small town yeah. you're the, you'll like be the foreigner for the first like maybe five years that you're there yeah, and then yeah. eventually they'll yeah. forget where you came that's from true. you know so yeah. that's the case imagine if that's the case for a Dubliner going to I don't know Carlo or something what yeah. it might be like for someone who is clearly totally from a different place so and mm. um, I, in my experience, because I grew up here, I, I understand Irish culture and I, I'm Irish, so mm. I didn't really, once I meet people, they might initially say things like, where did you learn English? Like, your English is very good, <laughs> which is actually <laughs> really, not yeah. a very nice thing to say <laughs> to someone who's clearly has English as their first language. But, you know, 
There's a friend of mine, Paul Tylak. I've known him for years, but his 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 dad's from Sri Lanka and his mother's from her, here. But he would say, people would say to him, uh, what hospital are you working at? <laughs> oh my God, that's so specific as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, because like, he doesn't know the business being here. I know, I know. Like, yeah, yeah. Funny. He always thought about going into a hospital and just <laughs> just cancel <laughs> his arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but anyway, but I mean, uh, no, Irish people should be proud. Like in, in yeah. general, we have a very welcoming nature, and we're not just known around the world as that for nothing. There's a reason mm. why. And as someone who's come and gone a few times here, it's it's always been so nice to get to settle back in, and it's always been possible to settle back in. And I think Irish people are best people in the world oh that's cool <laughs> that's cool um so are that, do you want to play a bit of music now and, yeah, and that was a good old chat by the way yeah i know uh, um be here all day <laughs> um so i don't know what uh, we'll probably take a break and yeah then sure. set it up perfect awesome yeah, cool yeah, well, thanks for having us, Joe. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. Oh, sorry, you're going to play uh, Body and Soul uh, on what day? We're playing on the Sunday, which is the uh, 19th, I think. Yeah, 19th. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We're yeah, opening the there. main stage Sunday, yeah. At twelve thirty, so 12:30. it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for people to get up and out of their sweaty tents uh, on a Sunday <laughs> morning of a festival. But um, I think I think if you do, you won't regret it. Yeah, so no, come yeah, to the main I, stage I at highly half highly recommend Feather. Brilliant at African Day. Nice. Yeah, we got one single out called Like No Other mm. and that's releasing all the major outlets yeah. and we've got some more stuff coming. Yeah, you can download it actually, the single um, from Hip Drop Records mm-hmm. um, website there. There's a whole bio on Feather and mm. um, if you want to own it, you can find it there. If you want to stream it, you can get it on, yeah, on most of the streamable things. Yeah, it's cool. It's a brilliant song, actually. Thank yeah. Thanks. Starts yeah. up kind of slow and then gets... Dancey. Yeah, there's a few different movements. Don't give it all away though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Spoilers alert. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and the EP's coming out soon. Yeah, very I think soon. we're very, we're very <laughs> nearly finished. I'm recording the vocals now with uh, a guy called Ken McCabe, who's an awesome mm. uh, producer and sound engineer. And uh, we're absolutely beasting our way through the songs. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be long. I'm saying the end of the summer. Um, to give myself time but we're really close so keep your keep your ears peeled for that cool thank you thank you cheers the song is called Katmandu Thank you. 
thoughts of anger that I can't control. Terrified that I will lose you.、Home. Company of strangers who just feed your line, make you think that you are boring. If you stay inside, get high with match, get by your side. I wish you come home that night. I mean, really amazing, and she is, she is brilliant. I went to see her at the African Day in Phoenix Park, and、uh, she's brilliant. So, and there's an album. I can't wait to hear this album that's coming out. She's brilliant. She's destined for big things. I'm pretty sure, pretty sure. And、uh, I'm so happy to get her in to the studio. So, thank you, Feather. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Paddy. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thank you to Andrew Mangan for producing the show. Thank you to Daniel Rooney for the music. Thanks to Jack Cody for the beers. And、um, I will see you if you're around、uh, Body and Soul、uh, or possibly even in Glastonbury. I'll performing with,、uh, be, be performing with、um, Steve Frost and the Improv All Stars there. Uh, yeah, and by the way, got a video out for a song I did for Euro 16. It's Jetem Irland with Shane McGowan on it and the Cronins.、Uh, check that out on YouTube. And if you want to buy it, Jesus, do. You know, it's on iTunes.、Uh, yeah, by the way,、uh, next week we'll have、uh, Domeraria and Alison Spittle on the same podcast. And、uh, uh, if you're a first time listener and a subscriber, just give me a, give me a rating on iTunes and send me an email if you want it, mjoerooney at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for、uh, people you'd like me to interview,、uh, do, do get in contact. And、uh, you can also get me on Twitter at joerooney. Joe Rooney one, and you can get me on my website www.joerooneycomedian.com. Thank you again for listening, and talk to you next week. See ya, bye. <laughs>
This was a Castaway Media production. Find more great podcasts on our network. Visit castaway.media. Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today.